0: Christian faith at its core is faith in God's life-giving power, His power over the grave. And friends, it is that faith, precisely that faith, authentic, simple, Christian faith that we so desperately need today.
1: You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jathan Griffiths, and today we're continuing a message from Hebrews 11 called Seeing with the Eyes of Faith. And Jonathan, if we've got someone listening today who's not really sure what that faith is, what is this saving faith that you're talking about? Well,
0: here in Hebrews, we're seeing that true, authentic Christian faith is faith in the God who can give life where there is no life, who can give life in the face of death. And of course, we need to have that confidence in God today. The problem of death has not gone away in our world. We are facing it all the time, and it may be that some listeners are facing that problem, that crisis, in an acute way. Either your health is in crisis, or you've recently lost a loved one, and you are encountering the problem of death and the challenge of death, and you don't know what to do with that. Well, what Hebrews invites us to see, calls us to see, is that the God of the Bible has power over the grave. He can give life to those who trust in him, who trust in Jesus. And we want to invite you to do that today, and to hear about this God of life-giving power from Hebrews chapter 11.
1: Well, as you just heard, that is where we are. So I hope you have a Bible. And if you've not opened it yet to Hebrews 11, join us there as we continue this message, seeing with the eyes of faith. Here is Jonathan.
0: I've been thinking often this week of Newton's great hymn about Zion above. I think it is a hymn for our age. It so resonates with the heart of Abraham here in our passage. Perhaps you know it. Glorious things of thee are spoken Zion, city of our God, he whose word cannot be broken formed thee for his own abode. On the rock of ages founded, what can shake thy sure repose? With salvation's walls surrounded, thou mayst smile on all thy foes." Savior, if of Zion's city I, through grace, a member am, let the world deride or pity, I will glory in thy name. Fading is the worldling's pleasure, all his boasted pomp and show. Solid joys and lasting treasure, none but Zion's children know those who see with the eyes of faith they seek god's homeland next those who see with the eyes of faith they trust god's life-giving power the great barrier really to all the great promises of god is the barrier of physical frailty and death god promised abraham and sarah many descendants but they they were past age God promises all His believing people an eternal future in His heavenly home, but the looming reality of death would seem to deny us that future. Death, it's our main problem as human beings. I don't need to tell you that. If we had somehow forgotten that or blocked that reality, we have now been reminded, each and every one of us, death lurks around the corner of our experience and at the gates of our community all the time. That's always true, whether there is a global pandemic or not. And it's so striking, isn't it, how very powerless we are in the face of death. Our healthcare—it it is so advanced. Our medical resources, they're so wonderful in a country like ours. We tend to imagine that no illness, no disease, nothing is beyond the healing reach of modern medicine. And yet, the most advanced and wealthy nations in the world, the most capable scientists, the most competent physicians, they have nothing. They have nothing to stem the tide of this pandemic. There's literally nothing at the present time. We saw some quite harrowing news footage this week taken by a, a British journalist who got inside a hospital in Lombardy in, in, in Italy at the invitation of the hospital there. This was one of the most advanced hospitals in Italy, in a nation with very good health care, and the harsh reality was this. Modern medicine, even the best of it, it was no match for this pandemic, and the scenes were awful. Death is not defeatable by human beings. That's the bottom line, and we are learning that grim truth afresh in these days. But fundamental to the Christian faith, fundamental to our faith is the belief that god's power is greater than physical frailty god's power is greater than death itself consider sarah God promises that she and Abraham will be parents to a very great nation who will bring blessing to the earth. It's a stunning promise, but in physical terms, in human terms, it actually becomes an impossible promise. No child has arrived, and Abraham and Sarah, they're well beyond childbearing age, and so for them to believe that God could keep this promise, ultimately it took a great act of faith. Verse 11... By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand on the seashore." If you know the story, you know that Abraham and Sarah had their own wobbles on this. They tried to take matters into their own hands when it looked like God maybe wasn't coming through on the promise. But ultimately, God taught them to trust Him. God taught them ultimately to wait on Him. All His promises for Abraham and for the nation of Israel, they rested on this couple having a child, on them being given a son. And in what has to be called a miracle, God gave this old couple well beyond age. He gave them a son. He gave them Isaac, who would become the conduit to the fulfillment of the promises of God. He would bring into existence the nation. And as we read our Bibles onward and into the New Testament, we learn that Jesus Himself traces His ancestry through this nation, through this son of Abraham. Our salvation in Christ, yours and mine, it rested upon God overcoming physical frailty and physical decline to bring life from bodies that were on their way to the grave. But in case Abraham and Sarah didn't learn the lesson of God's life-giving power, and in case you and i in our day don't learn it god reinforces it in a dramatic way having given isaac to abraham and sarah having fulfilled the promise by this great miracle god did something very very surprising a few chapters later in genesis he called upon abraham to take isaac up a mountain up a hillside and sacrifice him on an altar it was a test for abraham it was a tremendous test of faith and obedience Here was his only son, the only means by which the promises could ever be fulfilled. This boy, he came by means of a divine miracle, but now here is the call, offer him up, take his life, and if you know the story, you'll remember what happens next. Abraham takes his boy up the hill. He he builds an altar. He places Isaac upon it. He raises the, the blade and is ready to kill him in obedience to the instruction of God. And in that final moment, he hears the voice of God calling out to him, don't kill the boy. And then the ram appears in the thicket. And Abraham is told, offer the ram instead. The Lord himself has provided the substitute. He has provided the sacrifice. The Lord will provide everything for His plan. Abraham had learned to trust in God's life-giving power. And so when tested, verse 17, he trusted God's voice. He did what God said. He, he did that even though he knew, verse 18, that the promises of God were going to be fulfilled through Isaac. But here's what Abraham reckoned by faith. Verse 18, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back ultimately to go up that mountain and to build that altar and to lay his son upon it and to raise that blade. Ultimately, Hebrews tells us for Abraham to be willing to do those things, ready to do those things, he had to consider that God's power over death was completely limitless. Not only could he enable ancient bodies to conceive, he could restore the life of a slaughtered boy. In the kindness of God, this was a serious test, but not more than a test for Abraham. But at the same time, we know that the test of Abraham pointed forward to the very reality that God the Father would embrace in full measure on a mount outside Jerusalem. Some speculate maybe even the same mount upon which Abraham built that altar. On a mount outside Jerusalem, centuries later, the very Son of God would be pierced, and stricken, and slaughtered. The blade, it would not be stopped. This would be no mere test. The Son of God, He would die for the sin of the world. He would die for my sin and for yours. But, but even there, especially there, ultimately there, what Abraham reckoned was shown to be true. God has resurrection power. For his son, the grave, it was not the end. You see, if the promises of God rested in any way upon Abraham's son, they rested a thousand times more on God's own son. Had Jesus died and had Jesus not been raised again, all God's promises would be void and all hope in him would be empty and disappointed. But here is the truth that Abraham learned. God has life-giving power our God is the God of resurrection power. God is the God who defeats the grave. And so, on the third day, Jesus rose. On the third day, the promises of God were validated and confirmed and fulfilled. Christian faith at its core is faith in God's life-giving power, His power over the grave. And friends, it is that faith precisely that faith, authentic, simple, Christian faith that we so desperately need today. Death is our world's grim fixation at the present time, and if the world's worst fears prove true, if the most pessimistic modeling proves accurate, death will be something that we have to confront in greater measure in our own community in the days to come. And for such a time, we need to be those who cling to the belief and hold to the hope that our God is that God of life-giving power. He is the God who gives life beyond the grave to those who believe His promises, to those who trust in His Son. I wonder, I wonder, do you have that confidence today? I wonder if you've got that kind of faith in your own life and in your own heart. It may be that actually you're joining us today for this broadcast because current events have unsettled you, and you're starting to think about spiritual realities in a way that you've never thought about spiritual realities before, or in a way that you haven't thought about spiritual realities for a very, very long time. And perhaps, yeah, you're looking for hope in the face of this awful pandemic. You're looking, actually, for life beyond the grave. The God of the Bible, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, He is the God who is able to give life to the dead. He is the God who promises to give life to all those who will turn to Him and trust in Him. He proved his power by raising Jesus from the grave, and he promises to use that same life-giving power to raise us if we will entrust ourselves to him. He promises, us, he promises us life beyond the grave if we will turn from rebellion against him and find forgiveness through faith in his Son. Have you done that? Will you do it even today? Those who see with the eyes of faith, they trust God's life-giving power.
1: You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths and a message called Seeing with the Eyes of Faith. It's from a series called So Great a Salvation, and we're going to get back to this message from Hebrews 11 in just a few moments. Well, Encounter the Truth is a listener-supported broadcast, and as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to send you a book called Heaven How I Got Here. It's the story of the thief on the cross, and it's simply our way of saying thanks for your financial support this month. Hope you'll stay tuned, tell you a little bit more about the book later in the broadcast, but if you want to find out more right now, you can just come to our website, encounterthetruth.org. All right, let's get back to the message. Again, here is Jonathan.
0: Those who see with the eyes of faith, they trust God's life-giving power. Finally, as we finish, those who see with the eyes of faith are confident Of God's purposes and plans by verse 21. By faith Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones." I don't know what you would want to be remembered for after you die. I guess most of us would want to be remembered for some of the key activities of our our life, things we did, relationships we were engaged in, projects we completed, people we impacted. It's very interesting that for these heroes of faith in these verses, Hebrews actually just wants to focus on what they did or, or, or more precisely on what they said at the time of their death. Jacob, the great patriarch of the 12 sons, who would lead the 12 tribes. When he died, we're told that he bowed in worship over the head of his staff and blessed two of his grandsons, two of the sons of Joseph. In Genesis 48 and verse 16, he asks the Lord to bless the boys, and in them let my name be carried on in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Now, Jacob's own life was at an end. He knew that. And his family, they were living in the land of Egypt, not in their own promised land. He knew that too. But he also knew that God had made promises to his family, promises to his ancestor Abraham, promises for the future. God has plans. And Jacob saw with the eyes of faith that those plans, they weren't finished. And those plans, they were not going to fail. And so his final act on this earth was to gather to him the future of his family, his grandsons, and after that his sons, and to bless them, to call upon the Lord to be faithful to his promises and to fulfill those plans and purposes through that generation to come. Almost immediately in the Genesis account, we learn next of the death of Joseph, one of the sons. And this is what Joseph said from his own deathbed, Genesis 50 and verse 24. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. And the final verse of the book of Genesis says this, so Joseph died being 110 years old. They embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Joseph was dying in Egypt, not the promised land. But he knew that Egypt was not the final destination of the people of God. He remembered that God had promised to bring his people into the land of promise, and because he knew God's plan and God's purpose, his final words expressed confidence in God's faithfulness. In faith, he made mention of the exodus of the Israelites because he knew that God's plans could not fail. And because he knew that, his final request was for his bones to be taken out of Egypt and brought into the land of promise. Both these men of faith, they ended their lives with a declaration that God's promises would stand and His plans would be fulfilled. Yes, they were in the wrong land. Yes, they themselves were dying and could contribute nothing more to the accomplishment of the purposes of God. But with the eyes of faith, they saw into the future and they knew what was to come. The Bible tells us that God's purpose and God's plan is to build His church, the church of Jesus Christ, in such a way that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God's purpose is to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. God's purpose is, for the sake of His glory, to save a people for Himself, a people who love Him, a people who serve Him, a people who grow in holiness as we await His return. And there are days, aren't there, where we wonder. We wonder if God's plan will work. We wonder if His purpose will prevail, There have been key times in church history when in human terms, the work of the gospel should have been brought to a complete halt. Things should have come to a standstill. Think of the rise of communism in China and the persecution of the church there. Foreign missionaries expelled from the country churches shut down, forced to go underground. And for decades, the Western church looking on imagined that all those years invested in missions in China had now come to nothing. Imagined that the plans and purposes of God had now been defeated. And then decades later, China opens up to the wider world. And what do we discover? We discover that church growth has exploded in the silent decades. There's been a quiet revival, but a great revival. The, the blood of the martyrs has been the seed of the church, and the gates of hell have not prevailed on a normal day here in Canada, and this is no normal day, of course, but in a normal day here in Canada, the cultural headwinds blow strongly against the church of Jesus Christ culture, and society seem so out of sync with the Word of God, so resistant to the message of His grace, and we wonder, can God's plans be fulfilled? Will His purpose stand? That's a normal day, but then you look at recent days. One of the first responses to this pandemic, a necessary and appropriate response, an early response was to limit large gatherings of people, churches had to stop meeting on Sunday. Bible study groups, youth groups, Sunday schools, alpha courses, they all had to stop getting together. And we wonder, won't this stop the work of the gospel? Won't this thwart the purposes of God for the church and for the world? Time will tell, of course, what will be the fruit of all this. But I can only speak now from my limited perspective here. But I have to say, I think this has been one of the most fruitful weeks of ministry that I have ever known. God's people, they're, they're hungry for the Word of God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, they're longing for fellowship with the people of God, keen to be caring for one another and loving one another well. I, I believe that those on the margins and those on the sidelines have a new spiritual interest And a new spiritual appetite by God's grace through technology we're able to speak and we are able to receive the Word of God you see the Word of God it won't be chained God's plans for the church and for the kingdom they're not going to be slowed down the Lord Jesus Christ will return on the day of the father's eternal choice just as was eternally planned Yes, the people of God, they were in Egypt and not in the promised land. Yes, Jacob died in the wrong place, but he blessed his grandsons in faith, knowing that God's purpose would stand for the future. Yes, Joseph died in a foreign land, but he was so sure that the exodus would happen that he gave instructions for his lifeless bones to be carried to the land of promise. Yes, we're doing the work of the gospel in front of cameras, and computer screens yes we're hampered and in some ways times are hard but if we look with the eyes of faith here's what we're gonna see we're gonna see that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ and the work of the gospel goes on and so by the grace of God guided by the Word of God we look into the future trustingly, joyfully, confidently. And we do so with the eyes of faith.
1: Jonathan Griffiths wrapping up our message, Seeing with the Eyes of Faith from Hebrews chapter 11. Well, glad you've tuned in. And if you happen to miss any part of today's broadcast, you can always come to our website and listen online. The website address is encounterthetruth.org. And while you're there, I want to ask you to consider a gift of support because it is your generosity that keeps us on the station. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to send you a book called Heaven How I Got Here. It's the story of the thief on the cross, and it's our way of saying thanks for your financial support. You can find out more or give online at EncounterTheTruth.org or call us at 833-99-TRUTH. That's 833-998-7884 or again, EncounterTheTruth.org. Well, thanks for listening today, and I hope you'll join us next time.